Discount real estate brokerage Rex is now suing Zillow. Economists are worried that buyers, especially first-time buyers, are getting choked out of the market. And an awesome new company, Move for Hunger, we'll tell you what that's all about next on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She is Sarah Timon. We are back on Tool Time, and surprise, surprise, we got another lawsuit story to talk about. This one's interesting. We got some other things we'll cover too. Let's start there with Rex, the discount brokerage. They are suing Zillow, um, and they also it wasn't just Zillow. It's Zillow, Trulia, and NAR. And in the meat of the story here in the lawsuit, they are bringing in the lawsuit to keep the digital hubs of the real estate economy open so that consumers have the benefit of innovation and cost savings that come from competition. What do you think about all this, Sarah? Yeah. So Rex, I mean, I I feel like they're trying to get both ends of everything here. Um, so basically what Zillow had done was when you go in and you search for different listings, you would now have to do like a toggle and drop down to select that you would want to have both um, listings appear with agents and those without agents or where you're not represented because uh, the way that Rex works is they're targeting for non, like, non-buyer agents. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, basically you have to go in and take an extra step to make sure that those listings are popping up. But they're not cooperating with buyer's agents and they're not cooperating with the MLS. So they're not making themselves very available regardless. And now they're trying to sue in order to appear with everyone else on the Zillow sites. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's the funny thing about the story, right? So you look at this, and you know, my view is Rex is doing sellers a horrible disservice by not cooperating. You can never find these listings anywhere. Right. Um, they used to be appear on Zillow only, but that's before Zillow became a licensed brokerage and has an IDX feed, and they follow the rules that a Remax or a Coldwell Banker or a Keller Williams has to follow. So right away, they're asking Zillow to do something that they're not supposed to do as a brokerage. Right. So that's number one. Number two, and, and, and you bring up a really good point as well, that they're talking about the digital hubs of real estate. Well, this digital hub of real estate is now a brokerage. So are they going to sue Remax? Are they going to sue Berkshire Hathaway? Are they going to sue all these other companies to put their listings on their site when they're the ones choosing not to cooperate? It doesn't make right. any sense. Right. Like they're, they're cutting themselves out to begin with and then getting upset that they're not included or easily accessible um, to some of these searches. So, and yeah, good luck once you find them half the time, then getting it to go anywhere. So, um, yeah, I think it's, we'll have to see what ends up panning out there, but I think that Zillow's following the rules and doing what is required of them as a brokerage. Um, so we'll see where it goes. This is another example of a discount brokerage complaining because they chose the discount brokerage model. They are doing exactly what they set out to do to try to save people money. And what they don't realize is the data out there is that when you list with a professional agent, when you list with someone like us or any other competent listing agent, the seller gets more money on their bottom line. Not the high number and that the costs are more, but what they walk away with is almost always more in those situations. There's a lot of data that backs that up. And, you know, this company here, I mean, how many times we talked about a discount brokerage that failed because the people were incompetent, they didn't know what they were doing, and they only competed on price. And if you look at the top Fortune 500 companies, I've heard this in like many retreats, they focus on two things. One, they never compete on price. And two, how do we generate more revenue? So this is a great example of a company that that their model is we're going to compete on cost. 
And then they complain when the people that, like Zillow, who are players in the marketplace, right? We talk about Zillow almost every week on this show for a reason. They're, they're doing what's best for them. Like, who cares about Rex? I wouldn't be, I would be trying to put Rex out of business too if I was Zillow. Absolutely. Well, and then also with some of these discount brokerages, like exactly like you said, they're trying to say, oh, we're taking less of a commission, but the seller's actually walking away with less. And once you get under contract, when you don't have people that know what they're doing to move the process forward and have it work, like you're just all, you're spinning each other's wheels. I mean, Getting under contract doesn't mean you want to get to settlement. You want to get it to close, and you mm-hmm. want everybody to know what's going on throughout the process. So, you you need the agents on both sides. You need the cooperation. And, and look, there's always going to be some people that want to do it on their own. They want to save money, right? Mm-hmm. That that's a small percent of the population. The point here that this lawsuit's ridiculous because like they're following the rules that are set out for brokerages, and now with the IDX feed to the MLS, that's what you have to do. There, there's no option there. Right, so you can either only list the Zillow listings, or you can list everybody's listings that are in the MLS. That that's the options. That's what's out there. So there's a lot of lawsuits coming after. Like we have, we don't want to have to pay buyers agents, or you don't have to do that. You can enter a listing in the MLS with a dollar as compensation by the buyer for the buyer agent. Mm-hmm. Rex is choosing not to do that. Right. Like so, let's be clear about what Rex is deciding to do. So you know, this is just another nonsense lawsuit. They're in the news and probably their company's failing and this is how they're trying to claw back things. They're going for that like Hail Mary pass to save the company. So good luck, Rex. That's what I got to say. Peace (laughs) out. Hopefully we see you never. All right, the next story. um, This one's pretty interesting because I think there's all this talk about inventory levels and and what's going on. And uh, there's some lawmakers, some economists uh, in a Politico interview that the imbalance of supply and demand is coming to a head and may cause first-time buyers to give up on home ownership or just say, screw it, we're not going to buy a home anymore. So what do you think about all this? So, I mean, I think, I mean, the market has been, it has been crazy the last year, right? Um, So certainly there are people that have been hedged out and were hoping to be in a position to buy a home. And as it as it's come along, they just, they haven't been able to, to get the home. Um, different things are being done to try to incentivize and to, to help. I know there's, um, I think Biden was putting together the tax break, um, which again, only helpful if you get under contract. Yes. Um, but yeah, it seems like everything has kind of led up to this and it's, I think it looks as though things are going to even out a little bit more and that those people that maybe for the short term, weren't able, they were hedged out, I think down the line we'll be able to um, to come back. Well, and, and you look at another piece of news that came out. This was a couple days ago that, uh, according to Fannie Mae, the housing market confidence is expected to rise soon, and that has a lot to do with buyers. I mean, borrowers are very pessimistic right now about buying a home because it is so competitive. I mean, you know, we're here on the ground level, and we have seen more new listings come to the market, especially over the past week or two. I mean, this and this is real-time data. We're also seeing people bid $100,000 above the asking price, wave contingencies, and it's not even close. Still not get it, yeah. And and it kind of depends on the segment of the market too, right? Mm -hmm. I think where it's really getting squeezed is that like move up segment where they're looking to get in that like kind of forever home that is right in line with what the median income will match up in your marketplace. So for example, the median income in our marketplace is $87,000 a year. You double it for a two household family. You're looking at like a buck 60, a buck 80. So that like, Five to six hundred. That's where I, th- I think it really gets squeezed, and that, and that varies even by like school district and marketplace and in, in, in the region. So, what we're seeing is that um, 
you know, Fannie Mae, what they're saying is that there's components of their housing index that while they're well below pre-pandemic levels, there's going to be some room for improvement uh, in the coming months because there's going to be more houses coming on the market. Like we didn't have this seasonal flow last year and there's still people that like they were going to sell in 2020 and they still haven't done anything. So and that's what a lot of the experts are predicting. Um, I I do agree that I I think it, you know, it is it is tough for for buyers right now. I mean, you know, it's it's a hard market. So and if you're somebody that's been kind of wishy-washy as to whether or not you really want to do it, you're you're going to be one of the ones that aren't going to stick it out and make it work. If you're if you're very motivated and you're you're this has to happen, it might not be the first offer you put in. Might not be the second. Might not be the, but like if you keep at it, like there are opportunities there. Um, you do have to get a little bit creative sometimes with your approach to it. Um, but if you're somebody that was kind of on the fence or not willing to to really like keep at it, sure, you're somebody that probably isn't under contract right now and might not be for a little bit. But I think there is going to be opportunity um, shortly down the line. <laughs> well, we're also seeing like other people like they're, they're kind of like, oh, OK, I want to be in this neighborhood. And the, the people that are finding homes sometimes are expanding their search. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going into areas where there may be the demand's a little less because that, that happens in every marketplace where one town will have more demand than the other town. So you're seeing buyers kind of spread out a little more. And this happened a lot in like 2005, 2006, when people really started going further west in the greater Philadelphia area, like past Chester County, like into Lancaster, into Berks County to find homes because they want, they were okay with having some land and some elbow room and it was easier for them to attain a property out there because the prices were better or there was more inventory. And that happens as you move away from larger metropolitan areas. So, I mean, that, that that's a normal thing. You bring up a really good point. I mean, our, the ratio we see right now is basically buyers are writing three offers to get one. Like that's mm-hmm. almost to a number with the folks that we're helping. So that might give people some perspective. I mean, it, that, that's how many times it takes because the first time maybe they don't know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. Second time, well, you've been through this. Like, what's the difference between like a, the buyer with the first offer and the third offer? Like, what's the oh, progression there? It's night and day, typically, um, depending on you know a lot of factors go into of it. Course, but yeah. initially, I think a lot of people go into it very conservatively, um, where they they want all the different inspections. They want they want to make sure that they're protected on every single level, which which makes sense. Um, but as you realize, as you go through the process and you've lost houses that you really love and you look at like, what is the cost benefit of making sure that I put all of these contingencies in place, but then I don't get the house. Like there's a little bit of, I don't want to say a risk, but I guess a risk involved with getting more competitive with your offers. I mean, you don't want to be stupid. You don't want to like yeah, go, yeah, yeah. you don't want to just go like waving everything if there's clearly reason to think that there's things that you need to be investigating further. But um, I would say the the conversation changes from offer number one to offer number three for sure. Um, and people, a lot of times the buyers themselves are the ones suggesting like, hey, so I know with offer number one, we did this. And then we tried this with offer number two. We loosened up a little bit. Let's do for offer number three, like let's actually go for it. You know, let's mm-hmm. and it's it's a different conversation. And if nothing else, and sometimes offer three, offer number three doesn't get accepted either, yeah, but yeah. you're at least getting a lot more feedback. You know that you're in that final, you're in communication with the listing agent where you're, you know, you're in that final couple of people that are, are competing for it and, and you're getting the good insight back of, of what's up. So, well, I think that, that and, and also too, I mean, you look how people learn, right? Like the, the way people learn the best is by doing. So mm-hmm. you do it once, it didn't work out. Well, you're going to, you're going to remember that mistake for the next time. And I think that's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people, especially first-time buyers, they don't know what they're getting into right now. Sure. Or 
the last time someone bought a home, and it's let's say it's that move up buyer, they bought a home maybe seven, eight years ago. Well, guess what the market was like seven, eight years ago? We were coming out of the 2008 recession, so it was very, very different. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you bring up a lot of good points here. And, and for, for all the economists out there that are saying there's going to be this imbalance, I mean, it's going to go the other way at some point. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is that you know, inventory is going to pop up. People are going to get settled in. This frenzy can't last forever, but as long as these millennial buyers are coming to the market, I don't see it really changing too much because that's the big driver right now because they're, well, the lower-priced homes, they have more equity, they move up, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I don't totally agree with this, and I, I am clear we're going to see some more inventory coming on the market. So for everyone watching, just be ready to write three offers. I think that's the best advice here. So Sarah knows what's up. She's doing it every day. Very cool. Third thing we want to talk about, I love this next uh, – uh, company we're going to talk about here. So it's called Move for Hunger. So Sarah, why don't, why don't you kind of explain all this? Because I know you were the one that uh, had kind of put this on our radar here. Yeah. So this is a really great um, nonprofit company who recognized that as it started off uh, with somebody who his family was in the moving business. So, you know, they're moving people from, from house to house and recognized that there's a lot of food waste that occurs during a move. Um, you know, you're it all happens at once, right? Like you're planning, you're packing, you think you're on top of things, and then, oh my God, we've gotta be out of the house tomorrow, and we still mm -hmm. have all this left to do. So people are throwing out a lot a lot of food, and a lot of it, it's non-perishable food. It's canned goods, it's rice, it's um, things that could definitely go to a food bank, but they just didn't have the time. Um, so they're throwing a lot out, or they're maybe just leaving it behind in the house. Um, so this was something that was recognized, and he, uh, you know, started a nonprofit where they'd actually go pick up all of this food, drop it off at the local food banks. It started in New Jersey, but now yeah. there's a couple of local um, outlets for this as well. Yeah, well, the cool thing is, so I went on the website because, I mean, this is something we can refer out to literally everyone we work with for a good cause. So I, I love this idea. And there's a couple of movers they partner with. There's uh, Gentle Giant Moving there in Media. There's um, another moving company, Wayne Moving and Storage in Westchester here. Uh, those are the two local ones, and then there's a, there's a, a bunch of them in Jersey. There's one in Telford, and it, it's, it's a really great idea because, I mean, going through a move, I mean, it's, it's like literally the most stressful thing. You're trying to get out of this house. You're like, oh, just throw it out. We don't need this stuff. And, like, when you see, like, the canned tomatoes or, like, yeah. the, the, the beans or whatever, whatever canned goods you have, and it's like, forget it. We'll leave it here. And then you go to sell the house, right? You got to get it out of there. People aren't going back to grab all this stuff. So right. I think it's, it's, it's a really great thing where otherwise, I mean, it's – just another way you can help people. And, I mean, so these couple uh, local moving companies. So uh, General Giant and Media, they fed over 25,000 people. Um, two men in a truck who they're based out of Morristown, New Jersey here, but they're also local. They fed over 10,000 people. Uh, Wayne Moving and Storage is fed over 5,000 people. So, I mean, that's a Beacons, which is in Pottstown. They fed over 1,000 people. We've, we've had a couple folks work with them. I mean, this is something that, you know, it, it's really easy to do. So, I mean, I think this is something we can send to our clients, we can help out with. And, like, this is the kind of stuff people need to be doing more of because even though we're at, like, the what seems to be the end of the pandemic, hopefully, right, there's still people that are having a hard time. And I oh, think absolutely. that, and, and even if there's not a pandemic, there, like, there's still people that have a hard time. And that these little things you can do to help people, like, that's what, you know, being of service is all about. So, love this company. Uh, the founder's name, let's give them a little love. Um, oh, I can't find it on the website. Should have planned this. So, where is it? Our team. Here we go. So, Adam, Adam Lowey, uh, and he is uh, uh, from uh, up in New Jersey. He started all this really cool stuff, man. Uh, grateful for you, and we'll definitely be putting your, uh, your company in front of 
some other people too. And it looks like there's actually a real estate program on here. So we can kind of check this well, out. And what's exciting for them? I mean, they were on the Today Show yesterday, so they thought that they got their name out there. But now they're <laughs> on tool time. So yes. get ready. <laughs> they're really going to blow up now. I mean, Al Roker, eat your heart out, right? I hope that's the right show. I don't watch those. Yes. So there we go. Cool. So, but I mean, great stuff. And I think this is something we can actually like on, on, on a level we can support locally, just kind of sharing this stuff. So really, really cool. Great share. That's all we got this week. Catch you next week. Thanks for watching.